Hello, hello. Good morning. Hey, Jared, what's up? Oh, you know, just living it up. <laughs> same old, same old, hey? So our next guest is a multiple season Canada West medalist. He is known for his blazing second leg in the 4x200 relay. He was a member of the men's 4x200 relay that is currently the Canada West record with a time of 1.26.87 at 2016 CIS Championships, which, fun fact, was the last time that they caught the championships CIS. It's now known today as U Sport. He was the gold medalist in the men's 60 hurdles, running a time of 8.09, and the gold medalist in the men's 4x200-meter relay. He was also named the CIS Men's Track and Field Student Athlete of the Year for his commitment to sport, academics, and community. And today, he's dedicated to uh, dedicated his time to Saskatoon's track community, where he coaches and will be completing his level three in coaching next summer. So it is my pleasure to welcome my friend, Jared J. Money Olson, on today's episode. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, actually, first of all, I feel like you need to tell the story um, of how you got the name J Money. That would have been nationals like that was a long time ago, but 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I'm just this like this is like one of my first national championships as a senior. So I'm like just doing my warm up thing, getting really intimidated by all the really fast guys that are out there. And uh I'm at the warm-up track, and uh, I was stretching or something. And then who was uh, who, what Olympian came up to me? I forget his name. Wasn't it Justin Warner? No, it wasn't was it Justin, Justin Warner. Warner? No, um, these bunch of guys, Olympians, are just chatting and just like get ready for the races or whatever. And then he turns to me and is like, "You white guy, what's your name?" And I'm like, "Jared." And he's like, "You're Jay Money now." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> hey, Jared, was it Tremaine Harris? It was Tremaine Harris. It was Bye. Tremaine? Yeah, it was. Ah. <laughs> I was love it. Pretty, it, was a, it was an interesting point in time, that's for sure. The moral of the story is when a fast guy says to you, you're J-Money now, then you're J-Money for life. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess just to build a little bit on your athletics career, clearly you nailed it in sprints and hurdles in your time as a Husky athlete. I was wondering if you could tell us what happened when you graduated and what were some of those choices that you had? So if we, let's rewind a little bit to you, you're a CIS champion, you're running fast, feeling on top of the Canadian youth sport world. And now the door opens um, to become a professional track athlete full-time or not. What options did it feel like were available to you at the time? And what sort of guided those next steps once you graduated? Was it, let's use my degree and go build career. Let's keep running. Um, tell us sort of what that looked like for you in your graduation chapter. Sure. So that year, so 2016, there was uh, a couple national teams available. Like I believe Bizu was that year. So I was like, okay, let's make the go for this. Let's, because uh, like right after eSports, I went down to, California right in April and did a couple meets trained a, a, quite a lot and was really trying to make that my goal for the summer but things didn't work out didn't run fast enough national championships didn't really work out like I didn't run as nearly as quick as I'd like to comparative to indoors but you know that's track you know you only have one race 
one go and like being in Saskatchewan, you don't have as many opportunities to get good races just because of wind and the elements and the tracks that are available to us. So um, nothing against that, but you know, it just doesn't always work out in my favor. I had a good indoor season, but you know, sometimes you can't make it go for outdoors. Um, so I kept running throughout those years and whatnot, but downside that winter immediately after I was training indoors in about November. So starting indoor season and uh, broke my arm. So hurdling whatnot. So I snapped that arm right in half. And so that put me back a lot. Like I don't think I fully recovered from that for that first year that I was back. So um, I kept it up for the couple of years and then started getting into more of a, a business background. I opened up my own business um, pretty quick after that. 2018 is when I opened my um, my first uh, little cafe restaurant. And uh, so just going to interrupt you for a moment for anyone in Saskatoon yeah. who doesn't know which cafe he's humbly speaking about. <laughs> Um, the classic go-to Revolve Cafe, just down by the river landing. So if you're ever downtown and tried one of their poke bowls or one of their delicious coffee beverages, Jared is the reason that happened. So just that little brief aside, I wanted to insert in here in the classic Saskatchewan humble introduction here. But sorry for the interruption, but please. No, carry it's on. okay. You've launched this. And that's all, it's, it's, it's a little hard to like wrap around that too, because we recently merged with another restaurant mm -hmm. um, last year or so my own restaurant is kind of gone now, but um, I'm still involved in that kind of community. But yeah, um, track to kind of took a back seat at first. And um, so I kind of put a little bit more time into trying to create more of a name of myself outside of track and entrepreneurship did do that. But just like track, being an entrepreneur takes a lot of money too. So that was uh, the big back and forth that I kind of went between was was what is going to like be sustainable both as a an athlete entrepreneur and as a person that's such a great perspective and I think a lot of athletes and find themselves in a similar position in how do we navigate that full-time athlete identity how do we navigate who we are as individuals without the sport in our lives and also, what about that career piece? Because so many Canadian athletes are highly educated, very intelligent people. And often to pursue sport, it does require that full-time commitment. So at what point, you don't want to feel too far removed from sport. You don't want to feel too far removed from your education and your career pursuits. How did you choose how to sort of balance those three items of self-time, athlete time, career education time? And then maybe maybe that opens the door to how did, when did coaching sort of fall into the picture as well? So, uh, yeah, to go straight to coaching, um, I got my like first like real, real taste of coaching. Like obviously as an athlete, you get lots of opportunities to coach, especially at the really younger level, like the U12, the U10, U14 age. So I kind of dabbled in that to like help pay for a lot of your um, your summer fees and whatnot for, for track when you're not in school. And, but um, SAS Athletics approached me to, help with the SAS Summer Games in 2016, which, um, so I helped head coach the Prairie Central team, which I brought Astrid as along as one of my coaches, yeah. which was nice to have. Um, so that was like my first real games and coaching taste at a, at a more um, structured level, more than just 
here's how to do an A, you know? So yeah, that was really my, like that, that, that catalyst that really like fell, made me fell, fall in love with the sport again as well, because, you know, as we all know, as athletes doing the sport for years and years and years, as some of us have, you kind of start to lose that love a little bit, mm -hmm. especially after university. So that really helped me there. But um, yeah, being an athlete definitely took the back seat for the most part, just because when you're in university, you get all these additional resources, whether that be physio, whether that be trainers, whether that be here, like all sorts of things. And when you get out, you're like, oh, I've got to pay for physio once or mm -hmm. twice a week and get a massage every second day and et cetera, et cetera. So your body is just not able to keep up as much as it as it used to be because you just don't have those resources, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Um, so I talked a little bit about your career as a Husky athlete. Mm -hmm. And I know back then we used to hear all of these cool stories about how amazing the Huskies were. So <laughs> what's it like now being part of that legacy now that you're completely done your uh, eligibility it's it's kind of surreal like it's it's weird like when you start out in your first year or you see like all of these athletes that did so well on these teams that won so many years in a row and mm -hmm. the shirts that we get every year and all like all this legacy that um has happened over the last like 30 50 however many years the huskies have been around mm -hmm. and to be a, st a statistic in that it's like it's kind of it's kind of crazy and like to open up yeah. the top 10 list like you you get an asterisk you know you open that top 10 years so like oh there's my name oh weird yeah like, oh, I don't really expect to see that you know especially because we I don't know we down talk ourselves so much as athletes that even when we do perform well enough it's not good enough I just want to like say a little funny story from when I did win nationals with in the hurdles. And uh, I remember that was 20, sorry, 2016. Right. And we yeah. were, we were in York. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I remember crossing that finish line and seeing that time and being like, I, I think I swore like pretty loud being like, <laughs> damn, like that's not the number one time. Like now I'm only going to be number two forever or lower. So it's like, you know, like, oh, like mm -hmm. just show those athletes how much we talk down about ourselves, that it's never good enough. It's weird. To turn the table on that, what do you think the flip side of that could have looked like? If you, if you had to go back to your younger self in that moment, what do you wish you would have said to yourself? I wish I just... Um, encourage myself a lot more because there's I like I like there's such like an imposter syndrome from years and years and years of being an athlete that you're just there's always someone going to be better than you and mm -hmm. that should almost be a driving factor to be better not a uh, a way to push yourself down think of it less as a limiting factor and more so if yeah. someone else could do this that means it's possible therefore I I could do it. exactly yeah exactly yeah, no, that's super insightful. I think that's super helpful. And I have one curiosity. Is there any chance? Do you think you would ever consider coming back to race, say, as a master's athlete or even as a senior athlete? And maybe not necessarily to become a professional athlete, but maybe to perhaps rekindle that love of the sport again? Oh, absolutely. Like, I took a little long hiatus from training altogether. I 
only like went to the gym and just kind of did my own thing that way. And I kind of found myself without a goal. Like you can lift as heavy as you want, but that doesn't really hit check those boxes for me. So being able to like correlate that lifting to a speed performance or a throw or a jump or something has more of, of merit to me, I guess. So like, I, I dabble with a little training here and there. Like I kind of do a little speed work once a week. I, I dabble with a little jab and long jump outdoors, you know, just to like, like doing the sport again and seeing what mm -hmm. might stick, you know? Oh yeah. I've seen Jared lace up the spikes every now and then <laughs> over the past year or so. So <laughs> that's awesome. You can't take the track athlete out of us, you know, it's, it's hard to do. I could comment on that a little bit. So I actually became a master's athlete this year in that I turned 30. Ooh. So I, you're I, welcome, welcoming myself to the club. Um, we're still allowed <laughs> to compete down as seniors is my understanding, but we also can compete in master's events now as well. So I myself am getting my reacquainted and to understand how the master's program works. And from what I understand, the master's athletes compete because they love it. Now, don't get me wrong. They are still competitive and fierce. They're still making national teams and going to worlds. We still have Carol Lafayette's crushing world records in the 80 plus category. Now, yeah. clear, I'm not in the 80 plus category yet. <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, I'm not quite there on the master's level. But I think I'm just curious if you feel like maybe that's an opportunity in the sport locally as well as to maybe normalize some of those legacy athletes who maybe I think can relate to missing the sport and being a part of that community where maybe going to the gym and being able to lift heavy isn't checking off the boxes because before it used to be, yeah, I'll lift heavy. And that meant I could then run fast. So it was almost like lifting heavy meant you were then primed to go do the next thing. And I think just because you're primed and you're not doing that actual thing you love, it almost feels like you did the work, but didn't get to eat your cake too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wonder if there's a, I was, I guess I'm curious on your commentary of, I know there's still some pretty stellar Saskatchewan masters athletes out and about competing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's maybe something other legacy athletes would relate to and maybe wanting to come back and not to like try and hit a national standard and compete all over the place and make it full time, but as like a friendly outdoor thing to look forward to. Absolutely. Like I was actually pretty terrified about turning 30. Like I turned 30 in April and I'm like so jazzed about it now because I'm like, Hey, I can start like like getting that, I think it's pre-masters for 30 or 30, 30 to 34, I think, but it's still like, you're in a new category again. Like I remember being a kid being like, Ooh, it's my, especially with the first chance meet coming up. Um, I remember being like 17 and be like, Ooh, I get one more race being a U16, you know, to be able to run faster in that category one more time before I move up. And like, that's exactly what masters is like being able to, continually improve and be able to break some records along the way. I feel like just like it gives, it gives you something to look forward to as you age. Great answer. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> okay. So, so you're a coach now. Yep. You're working with a lot of our younger athletes here in Saskatoon. Um, what age group are you mainly uh, coaching actually? So right now I'm just with the, uh, Saskatoon Track and Field Club for it's our groups like the U20, U18 group. So mm -hmm. we've got most the athletes are pretty much just all in high school, grade nine to twelve. Okay. 
Awesome. Uh, how are you liking coaching so far then? Um, this, the last two years, like I've been with, with this group the last two and it's, I've really loved it. Just being able to work with a large group of athletes that come from so many different backgrounds and so many different skill levels mm -hmm. paired with being, having the, uh, the ability to have a couple other coaches alongside of me, um, is just, it's, it's awesome. And to see these kids grow, cause some of these kids I coached when they were JDs or Bantams. So it's like really cool to see athletes go from being these little kids to now moving off to the NCAA. Right. Yeah. And uh, we spent quite a bit of time at the track, you and I. Mm -hmm. So you've been around the track. We've seen some new faces around the track. How do you think the Husky athletes are shaping up for this upcoming season? I mean, as it seems that like, I feel like it's a pretty common theme year after year for the Huskies, but on the, especially on the women's side, they are mm -hmm. looking fire as always. I don't know how we do it, but the girls' side is looking like really strong, especially in the like the distance categories for sure. Um, even with the couple of girls that we've seen leave over the last few years, like Courtney House Smith and uh, Julie LeBach, we still have more coming up with like Caitlin Harrison that you guys just talked to. Uh, last week, Avery Pearson, there's so many talented athletes that are continuing to stay here. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really awesome to see. And some of that might mean going to Regina too, which I'm perfectly fine with, you know, like as long as they stay. And they <laughs> I stay appreciate Canada, you accommodating you know? that I'm on the call right now, but. <laughs> I feel like there used to be that like rivalry between us and Regina, but it, it, I don't think it's there. I think like, it's it changed be. a bit. Yeah. I think it's time. changed a bit too. Mm -hmm. I, I think when I look back compare, I think Ken West is when it always used to feel like it was the Cougar Husky rival. But I felt like mm -hmm. as soon as we would ever go to CIs or U Sports, what whatever you want to call the Nationals level, I felt like as soon as we went out East, when you would compare the totality of the Huskies and the Regina teams as one combined Saskatchewan team, comparatively to say Toronto or York teams, we were still tiny. And it felt like we almost had to congregate together and be like, let's go Sask, we can make as much noise. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just like felt the, like oh. that national level really brought together that, you know what, even though you're wearing a Sask singlet and maybe I'm wearing a U Regina singlet, it just kind of felt like there was that camaraderie of Team Sask, we were proud. In the summertime, we all wore the same Team Sask singlet anyways. Exactly. But we talked with Ron and John, they also commented that, there's something about wearing the team Sask singlet that means something to people. And yeah, I, I think just to sort of echo what we're chatting about here. Yeah. Some of those fast athletes do come to the Cougars and obviously as Husky alumni, I'm sure you'd like to keep them. And myself as Cougar <laughs> alumni, I have my own Cougar <laughs> proudness that we've all carry, but I, I, I do for sure think that there is that we are noticing more athletes staying in Saskatchewan and seeing not just one or two sporadic athletes doing well, but lots of athletes are doing well, both post-collegiately and in that collegiate level. And I'm wondering if maybe what are some of your thoughts as to what's catalyzing that change? I think there's just a little more um, pride in where people come from nowadays. Like we still see and track that like idea in high school that, oh, we need to, you have to leave to go to the show. You know, you have to go down to the States and like, do your thing there where is now it's like we're starting to see there be more funding there be better facilities better coaching um up here so i think that's having a lot to do with it like 
there's still lots of good schools and everything around the country and down south. But if you know that you're going to do well here and you're also going to save some money by staying, that's a, like a big check mark for a lot of people nowadays. Yeah, I think those are all great points. A hundred percent. I think we can agree. Asher and I, I'm sure can agree with all of that. Having good coaches, yes. facilities, teammates, if you have a culture that people are proud to be a part of, I think that's also mm -hmm. a big contributing factor too. That's well put. Another great answer. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> Jared, mm -hmm. since, since you spend so much time with the track and since I've seen you lace up the spikes every now and then, what is the likelihood that we see you line up at the start line for a race or two? I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely um, a possibility, not like in the near future. Like you're not going to see me at PR for a chance next weekend. <laughs> like, I can tell you okay. that. For free. <laughs> but um, I've thought about outdoor, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I've, that's my one like regret in my career that I just, never had the a, like a great great outdoor season so that's always something that I'm like oh I wish I just had that couple races that I just really did well but who knows it might not be hurdles anymore maybe that's maybe that's done maybe that's over yeah these, these old hips can't get over them anymore you know maybe. I don't know <laughs> hey, you're not that old don't make all of us sound like we can't get over hurdles <laughs> Jared's gonna be a long jumper now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean anything from high back, though. Is there any favorite venues that you've had? I know you said you've gotten to go to California and race across the Canadian circuit. Was there any track meets or any venues or any races that were standout races for you, or just some that you look back and you just immediately are glowing just thinking of the memory? And if so, can you share what one of those races may have been? Totally. Um, I went down to uh the armory a couple years in a row both as an athlete and I helped with um when Astrid went down as well like uh in New York it's it's a different atmosphere down there for indoor at least like the tracks are just a little like a couple of them are just a little more bouncy and fast and the type of um competition you get is just so much higher than if you're just at some random meet in Saskatchewan, I guess, or Manitoba. So being able to go down to the army was, was huge for me. And like, I feel like was the only thing that got me to where I did indoors, just mm -hmm. to be able to put everything in perspective, like being able to warm up with only one hurdle and a hundred guys. And you can't, you have to warm up in a hallway and like being able to be like, okay, you don't get as many uh, access to as many things when you're at this higher level so that was big for me indoors wise and if you have the opportunity to go down there or to boston do it it's they're great tracks i'll second that the armory facility is phenomenal if you get the chance to race there any athletes who are listening take mm -hmm. it go race at the armory it is so cool yeah, I guess just to kind of just be respectful of your time here too. I was actually curious to hear some of your insights on coaching and if there were any aha or surprising moments for you when you stepped into those coaching roles or how your athletes maybe have surprised you on this journey of the coach putting on the coaching hat and seeing track from that perspective now. It's um so like I went down to uh 
BC in October to do my performance coach. And the aha moment there for me was just knowing that what I, what I do as the coach is actually like validated, like all the uh, Canadian team coaches that were down there um, facilitating all of all of our groups and working with coaches from all over the country, just um, brainstorm ideas, work on workouts, just all sorts of different things. And just to know that like what we're doing as coaches, especially out here in Sask is, is valid. And like, we always have imposter syndrome and um, being from such a small center, we think, Oh, what we're doing isn't like to the standards of like, say what, what Guelph is doing or what UBC is doing. And no, it is like, we are doing what, what's correct. Um, and being able to use that knowledge with the athletes is just second to none. So it's, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> if you could share that with other coaches, do you think other coaches, maybe even locally or maybe even on a national level, do you think a lot of coaches perhaps feel that way when they're trying to coach athletes or maybe feel the burden of that responsibility of these athletes are trusting me with their athletic career? I need to make sure that I'm delivering a program that's the best that I can deliver. How do you manage that pressure now that it almost feels like the coaching lens? Is that more pressure than when it was an athlete needing to perform? Yeah, it is. I de definitely like, I feel like I don't have enough time for, for the amount of coaching that I want to do. Like, especially, especially in Canada, there aren't as many opportunities for coaches to um, do it full time. So being able to manage that and still have a job, a career and have a personal life and et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like it's, it's, just as busy as I was as an athlete, but there's definitely more pressure because it's not just you that you're affecting. It's 50 other young athletes. I, I think that's yeah. a super insightful perspective. And I, I guess my curiosity then would be what would be some ways to maybe mitigate that pressure or um, is there a way to feel gratitude in it and that, wow, like these 50 kids, let me coach them every day. Like, is there a way that you could flip that magic or like that pressure into magic or recycle that energy into them being like, yeah, they trust me to be their coach. And yeah, I went to the big coaching circuit and they just validated that everything that I'm doing in my small town with minimum resources comparatively to big cities. Does that kind of make you feel like, imagine what I could do if I had access to XYZ funding facilities, whatnot? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it actually was even more eye-opening that the uh, lots of other coaches that I'm working with have just so many less resources. Like there's some, it was, it was, it blew me away that there's some clubs in Canada that like don't start training till April because they can't, that's the only time they can get a facility or they have to like build their own mats because they don't have money to buy equipment or like, there's just so many clubs in this, in this sport in Canada that just don't get the funding that they need. And it was really eye-opening to see how creative some of these coaches were that could still produce really high level athletes. So that was super cool. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Did you feel like you were impressed with the amount of Saskatchewan quality athletes that you've encountered? Oh, absolutely. Like Saskatchewan blows me away year after year. Like 
the fact that we can put together sometimes two men's relays or two women's relays at, at nationals and medal them both or like it, it's it's unbelievable like and yeah I, I don't know how other especially Ontario can't pull it together <laughs> Ontario don't come for us <laughs> Sorry, <well. laughs> we have we have a lot of phenomenal athletes here in Sask that's for sure what is your horoscope I'm a Taurus okay yay or nay pineapple on pizza nay oh no I was hoping you would say yay uh your first car I had a white Pontiac Sunfire. All right. Uh, can you touch your toes without bending your knees? No. And on average, how many hours of sleep a night? I usually get seven. Respectable. All right. Respectable. What's your thermostat at home set to? Oh, I think it's, I don't know, actually. Are you like a cold, hot, or like average temperature household? I would love it for it to be cold all the time, but I live in an apartment, so I don't really get to make that decision. Okay, that's fair. Thought we'd ask. Uh, Netflix recommend. Well, if any of you follow me on Instagram, I'm a big Seinfeld guy. So <laughs> should have saw that one coming. Yeah. Uh, invisibility <laughs> or super strength, if you could pick a superpower. Super strength or super what? Invisibility. Oh, I'm already Jack, so invisibility. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, Jay-Z or Eminem? Say that again? Jay-Z or Eminem? Oh. I th Yo, that's I th a tough one. I think Eminem. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Wow. We're closer to the end. What was your <laughs> first job? Oh, I was a I was a bag boy at Sobeast. I worked for a farmer's market. I appreciate that. Um, best compliment you've ever received? Oh, I don't think I've ever been complimented before. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> no. Jared, you had the best flow for the longest time. That is Yes, I, I, I have a lot of people compliment my hair when I had long hair. There yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> and last one, your athletics role model. Oh, Donovan Bailey. Hands down, no hesitation. Donovan Bailey no for the win. Well, great conversations today with Jared. So thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having yeah. me. It was an absolute blast. This was a blast. I'm still laughing. Tremaine Harris, that is so funny. <laughs> That's just so in his personality to, oh, I know, you know, right? to be like, yo, J Money now. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us we appreciate you and we'll definitely be seeing you around the track i will see y'all too likewise and stay tuned for our next podcast coming up next week arthur is such a great guy based on this conversation i can say it looks like you regina cougars are shaping up to have a spicy season and will likely have some standout performances still to come two things i want to mention as we head into the upcoming weekend first holy smokes huge congratulations to storm zablocki who arthur was mentioning to keep an eye out for he is currently in his rookie year with the regina cougars and in his first race in saskatoon last saturday 
He hit U-Sport national standard in the 60 meter with a new U-20 provincial record in time in Saskatchewan of 6.83. So he, he hit national standard first race of the season in his first year as a Cougar athlete. Huge congrats, Storm. And for those who haven't met him, not only is he a talented athlete, but he is truly a kind and respectful person, too. Even if you are not on your team, he's one of those athletes you can't wait to cheer for. So Storm, again, congratulations and all the best in your upcoming career. Second, I just want to take a note to say indoor track action continues this weekend in Saskatchewan. And thanks to Regina's track club, Excel Athletica, who is hosting the Larmer Friendship Games at the Regina Fieldhouse. For more details, check their website out or visit the tracky link for more meet-specific details. And finally, to our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. And on that note, looking forward to catching you next week on Sasquatch Podcast.